Welcome back to middle school. It's a zoo out there, so just be cool. Don't speak too loud, try to fit in. But if you don't, then you can be in outfit everyone and welcome to the outfit repeaters an unofficial lizzie mcguire recap podcast i'm your host marissa Cantor, and with me as always is sam chung hello marissa great to be back here talking about lizzie mcguire again it feels like it's been a whole week since we've talked about lizzie mcguire and that's because it has been yep just like every week we do this once a week <laughs> that's how it goes that is the that structure is- that is how it goes. Unfortunately, uh, this episode, I felt like, did not stand up to the past couple episodes that we talked about. We kind of like regressed back to the mean a little bit. Yeah, we had a solid two weeks. I mean, more than we could have hoped for, and now we're back. And I think this episode had a lot of potential, and that's the most disappointing part. As always, I guess I'm curious about the production order piece of it because, you know, we I feel like we saw the beginning of Matt's curiosity about the world of art, but that was a storyline that we got episodes ago. So, um, as always, things did not make a whole lot of sense, but you just got to go with it, I suppose. Yeah, the Matt and Lanny storyline, which is usually what saves the episode, but I was particularly disappointed in that. It felt very out of character. It just felt something that would never happen because they always do roll call when you get onto the bus. So there's a much deeper issue at the heart of that B story that, you know, we we were just scratching the surface of. Well, yeah, they would never leave an 11-year-old, two 11-year-olds behind on a field trip. But I don't know, the idea that like, and we can get into it more, but when Matt was really freaking out and Lanny was the one who kind of was like, let's be bad, that just felt wrong. Yeah, um, and I really didn't like what they did with Lanny in this episode. The we, We've talked at length about the sound effects guy, but he just went really over the top with Lanny in this episode, and it was really distracting to me. Before we jump in, is there anything that you want to start us off with? Not really, no. I don't have anything. Just hanging out. What about you? Me either. It's been a quiet week for me. No new content updates. I'm just a little bit further along in everything I talked about last week. But may I say the emotional complexity of Rapunzel's Tangled Adventure is just, it just continues to impress me. Um, There is a lot of trauma explored. And the idea that the flower, the sundrop flower that saved Rapunzel and her mother's life at the beginning of Tangled, like the movie is having actual environmental consequences on their society. There's just a lot of stuff happening. It's riveting, as I have already mentioned. I am still enjoying it immensely. Is it more complex than the masterpiece that is Firefly Lane? You know, in some ways, yes. (laughs) I'm still along for the Firefly Lane ride. Um, Content warning, if you were ever planning to watch it, there is a dog being euthanized in one of the episodes that we were very unprepared for 
I mean, are you ever prepared for a dog being euthanized? It just came out of nowhere. Like, usually you know what you're going to get, right? Like Marley and me. If you're going to see Marley and me, you have to be prepared for the reality that the dog is going to die at the end. Or like that Zac Efron movie. Was that Zac Efron? <laughs> I don't know. what uh, The movie that immediately came to mind was Charlie St. Cloud. And I was like, that's not right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Wasn't he like a race car driver or something? And there was a dog. Was that Zac Efron? Now, now I'm thinking about the art of racing in the rain, which I don't think was Zac Efron. Oh, that's the movie I'm thinking of. That was but with it's... Milo. Oh, right. Vent that was with Milo yeah. and Amanda. That's what you, was that what you were thinking of? That's what I was thinking of. I mean, I feel like the go-to when you're talking about dogs is like Old Yeller, but you just skipped right past mm. the you know stereotypical example. What was that movie? book slash movie of where the red fern grows that was my first traumatic um there was no content warning we were in fourth grade it was a book that the our teacher read to us that was traumatizing yeah the curriculum is uh (laughs) and then made us watch the movie too it's quite a journey i mean that wasn't even the most uh disturbing thing that i had to watch in school you know this story and i don't know if i've mention this on the podcast or not but my sixth grade teacher made us watch a video of his lasik eye surgery <laughs> that was pretty gross it was just like a close-up of his eye as they scraped away at it i didn't like it yeah i was always that kid too because you know me you know i'm a crier that i would like openly weep during every screening of any movie with a hint of sadness uh remember the titans Radio, radio. We watched radio every year for like three or four years, and I cried every single time. <laughs> like literally every single time. Knew what was going to happen. You know what officially returned this week was Temptation Island, um, season three, a show which <laughs> you and I are rationally fans of Temptation Island. Um, everything about it is great, from the crazy theme song to Mark L. Wahlberg. <laughs> <laughs> to these crazy people that they find. And the casting for the show is so intriguing because you have to select a, a couple that there's a high probability that their relationship is going to fail. And so they come in and they're already kind of like a mess and it just gets from bad to worse. And so I'm excited to go on this journey once again. I know. It's one of my greatest joys that you are as into this show as I am, <laughs> as someone who sort of rejects most reality dating competitions or premises you just want to go full trash like you don't want i mean with all due respect mark Wahlberg. i've always been on the uh of the opinion that mark Wahlberg (laughs) is a much better host than uh a certain other reality tv show host who has recently lost his job yeah i mean that's a strong way to word what happened but because it's a you know just a it's a cool little step back you know he's gonna fade into the background for a minute still make all of the money that he gets to make as a you know producer of the show he'll probably you know read a couple anti-racist books watch a few movies come back have this sort of super he'll, he'll have this like big apology thing they'll probably be like a sit down with rachel Lindsay. It is a mess. I don't want to talk about Chris Harrison on this podcast. I, I mean, I was talking about Mark I do L. Want to talk about. <laughs> I do want to talk about the fact, though, that they did announce his replacement for After the Final Rose, and it is sports analyst and former NFL player Emmanuel Acho. Interesting. 
Do you know who that is? I don't even know who that is. No. My dad didn't know who it was either, which surprised me. He's a Fox Sports guy now, but you're like an ESPN guy. He only played professional football for three years. Yeah, he didn't have a a lucrative NFL career. Um, It's mostly kind of post his NFL career that he's kind of been able to break into the media landscape. But yeah, I mean, if we are going to we are going to talk about this, then it would be remiss to not point out that everything that is going on in terms of like Rachel Lindsay is being harassed online to the point of she has had to deactivate her Instagram account. And that is so despicable and gross and unsurprising given the Bachelor Nation, the makeup of Bachelor Nation, but just awful. No, not cool. Oh, I did introduce my parents to Ted Lasso this week, and we watched the first episode the other night. Did your dad fall asleep? No, he liked it. (laughs) I mean, like, this anything to do with sports, he'll at least give it a chance. So I'm, I'm excited to go back on that journey once again that was one of my favorite 2020 watches i mean up for golden globe we're recording this on um on sunday afternoon so we don't know yet we could talk globes predictions even though it'll all be in the past by the time yeah it feels redundant to be doing that given that we won't uh we won't okay so here's the plan we don't do predictions but next week we can just talk about a how I can already say upset we are going to be by the outcome. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you do. We're going to be upset. Yeah. Okay, let's dive into Lizzie McGuire because like as we've already said, this is a pretty lukewarm episode. I don't have super strong feelings about it either way. Like it's just kind of like, eh, it happened. I think that there is a lot more like I think the pairing of Lizzie Tudgman and Kate together is really interesting and I think there were some missed opportunities yeah I would agree with that so today we are going to be discussing Lizzie McGuire season two episode 19 she said he said she said in this episode a food fight earns Lizzie Kate and Tudgman a detention part of which consists of cleaning up the mess and finding out who started it. They each seem to have different ideas. And this episode aired on November 22nd, 2002. So my first thought is they all need therapy, like each and every one of them. Their own sense of self and how they like are interacting with the world is so delusional. Yeah, I mean, that includes Lizzie too, probably. No, that absolutely includes Lizzie. And That's where I have the most questions because, you know, we are always in Lizzie's head. Like, that's the show, right? It's her POV. We have our cartoon Lizzie. We're supposed to be in Lizzie McGuire's head. And then when we get her POV scene, it is an alternate Lizzie McGuire. So I feel like I can trust nothing. At first, I was like, oh, like, they're going to make Lizzie be the reliable narrator because she's our narrator I've but they don't believed, even try to do that i've never believed that she was a reliable narrator so no, no, jokes no, on I'm you saying, for <laughs> ever no, thinking that would be the case no i'm saying that's the way that the show frames it not the way that i perceive it like the show is always like lizzie's right and the show tries to make her out to be a reliable narrator but even they didn't even try to do that they gave no. us like an alternate an alternate universe in au lizzie mcguire 
I mean, my thought was that this would be perfect inspiration for you when you finally get into that Kate POV, because here is the Kate POV and it's whack. <laughs> it's a lot to pro- it was a lot to process. I don't know if you really, yeah, having seen this episode now, I don't know if you really want to go deep into the Kate POV because it's just not in touch with reality in any way. Well, besides we Gustav, have... who I have my own issues with Gustav. <laughs> Well, I mean, like, as we are starting to get more layers of Kate, there is clearly a lot of, there's a lot going on at home for her. Um, And to me, it was really, it was, it was honestly kind of sad to see that her, the way she perceives the world and the way, because everybody's the hero of their own story, right? And like the way that she is telling the story, like she is so loved and she's so unaware of the way she comes across and like the way she treats people there's just there's a lot to unpack <laughs> meanwhile Tudgman is over here like disproving infinity Tudgman uh fancies himself a a uh a character from the matrix that's a scene that really just blew my mind you know they should have taken some of the like sound effects budget out and used it towards the visual effects <laughs> because the visual effects were really bad by bad, you mean incredible. <laughs> they, they were they were real bad. Cool. So most of this episode takes place in the cafeteria at Hellridge Junior High. So that's where we start this episode. We are there and in the middle of a food fight. Sam, have you ever experienced or been a part of a food fight? I have not ever experienced or been part of a food fight. Um, although actually I've seen multiple, just normal fights at lunch, (laughs) followed by the vice principal and police officers having to like tackle people and then drag them away. So (laughs) I had that. I feel like children's television perpetuates this myth of the food fight. Like there's always a food fight, but is there ever really a food fight? No, no, not, not really. No, I mean people. People are usually pretty precious about their food. Yeah, like Larry Tudgman. He would. He wouldn't waste food. Yeah, on they, Kate. No, no, no one wants to waste food. They'll just go straight up and punch you in the face. There's <laughs> like, <laughs> that's a much faster way to send a message. Yeah, that's fair. I'm sure you've also seen some cafeteria fights in your day. Yeah, cafeteria <laughs> fights, hallway fights. Also, like in middle school, it was there was a lot. There's nothing like a good suburban girl fight. And the yeah, that that was the other thing. The fights were always real bad. Like there was <laughs> the contact ratio of like, you know, punches to actual times that someone would make contact very unacceptably low. Like people would fight but they'd be bad at it. And so it's like what are we even watching right now? And then they're just rolling around on the floor. Yeah, there was there were no like Ryan Atwoods at at our <laughs> school. <laughs> Clearly, we need to go to California. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so food fight is happening and Lizzie, Miranda, and Gordo are hiding under the table. But Miranda and Gordo are kind of having a good time. They're enjoying the experience of witnessing it at the very least. Yeah, it's Darwinian. (laughs) (laughs) Survival of the fittest. This is, a, I mean, I, I wish that we had started keeping track of how many things Miranda and Lizzie should know that they don't, um, because this is definitely up there. I would agree with that. 
But like, I also feel like that is a writing thing to like more like explain to the audience than to explain to Lizzie and Miranda. But I hear what you're saying. Yet they're inserting like Matrix Ferris Bueller date, Ferris Bueller's day <laughs> off. This episode is like, it's honestly like those two movies meet the breakfast club. Three yes. movies that like yes. how many of the audience, how many members of the of the child audience have seen, yet you need to explain survival of the fittest. That's fair. I was definitely going to reference the breakfast club, uh, the lunch bunch as they are. The, the lunch bunch. <laughs> it was like. What a crew. One of the least subtle references in the entire series. But now Lizzie is she's gonna go into the mess to find a way out and this is another case of lizzie doing things she doesn't have to do right like this is another like putting the statue in your in your bag situation like yeah, lizzie, just, why are you just, just wait it out under the table and eventually it'll all be over people will have run out of food you'll be fine yeah i need to find a way course, out like there's gonna be a magical way out that didn't exist before but lizzie is this is what she's doing and she gets up and she's immediately like food is now all over her. She keeps getting hit. She's fed up. She's like, okay, who threw this? And just as she is picking up a glob of gunk to chuck in any direction. <laughs> you say gunk. I said mystery meat. That's a little more accurate. Principal Tweety is back in our lives for this episode. And who does he target out of an entire cafeteria? He targets Lizzie, Tudgeman, and Kate. Yeah, I mean, random. Real random. So random. So <laughs> random. Who are claiming, of course, that they are all innocent. Cut to theme song. Oh, you missed the part where Gordo thinks that the gum under the table is his. Yeah, that's just gross. I think Gordo must have gotten COVID. <laughs> he was probably among the first. So yeah, we cut to the theme song, and then we're back, and now... These three are in an empty cafeteria with Principal Tweety, and their punishment is either to clean the cafeteria and three hours of community service, or they just got to write down who did it, or throw somebody under the bus and you're good. You don't got to you don't gotta clean, just blame someone. Yeah, be a narc. Do it. Just be the a thing, narc. Just... The, th <laughs> the thing I didn't get was that they. it seemed like they were under the impression that it had to be one of the three of them in the cafeteria. I don't get why they couldn't have all teamed up and just blamed one side person. Like, there, was, yeah. there were all these sequences of two of them pairing up and being like, should we blame the other person? You don't need but to do that. They could have all teamed up and blamed Gustav. Ridiculous. Yeah, justice for Gustav. But yeah, Kate is not having this. She is so not cleaning the cafeteria and so not writing a dumb report because she so did not do this. And that is where that's where we're at. Now we flip over to Matt and Lanny. And as we've already touched on a little bit, this B story is just so inconsequential. But it does lead to like one of my favorite Joe McGuire moments <laughs> at the end of the episode. I feel like I know the moment that you're talking about. So we're just going to roll with it. Yeah, this is where they are leaving a field trip at an art museum. They miss their bus. What is with Matt McGuire always missing the bus? Another, you know, recycled storyline. And like you already mentioned, what th there's a problem with the teachers at this school. And my favorite part about this scene was 
when the bus was pulling away and all of the kids who were on the bus were just like waving and like laughing at them. See, I feel like in real life, it would be the other way around. Instead of two students getting left behind at the field trip, there would be two students who were trying to be left behind at the field trip and then the bus leaves and then the people who are, you know, not on the bus are waving at the people on the bus to be like, ha ha, suckers, you have to go back to school. But yeah, Matt and Lanny must be really hated by their classmates. I know, that was so, like, they were so satisfied. So that's how that starts. Flip back to the cafeteria. And so the bulk of this episode is just hearing each person's defense. So we get the same day recounted over and over again from each character's POV, from Kate's, from Larry's, and then from Lizzie's. Um, So we get Kate's first, and it's wild. This is where, but before she starts, she does emphasize once again that she doesn't clean because she could break a nail. So yeah, this scene is truly just like, it's honestly a fever dream. So Kate arrives at school, friendly to everyone and happy as always to be here. Um, She's walking down the hallway like a print, like she's wearing a crown and waving like Anne Hathaway in Princess Diaries. She is nice to Miranda about her rash. Yeah, Miranda's rash um, is a really underreported uh, story <laughs> in this episode. It's an enormous rash. It's like her entire forearm, and it's from Lizzie's lotion, I suppose, mm-hmm. but like it looks very serious. Like she needs some medication. It's pretty gross. It's she's not having a just real, a little. Yeah, she's having a not- real bad allergic reaction. But here's the thing. If Miranda used that lotion over her entire body, why is only one forearm rashing up? Like, I feel like very soon the rest of her body is not going to like her. Yeah. And in Kate's mind, everyone is very doting on her. Like, Kate just noticed me. Just so out of touch with reality. She compliments Tudgman and Tudgman calls her a Dirk. We have the return a strong return for the Dirk in this episode. What a Dirk! Well, the the reason is because Larry bumps into her and she's like, Larry, I really like that shirt and how you wore it yesterday. And Larry's like, how dare you? This is a new shirt. Yeah, that was funny. I appreciated <laughs> that. Yeah, so then it, into the cafeteria, the vibe is very like, why would I start a food fight? I love the people and the people love me. And in her version of what happened, so they're walking in the cafeteria and one of her friends pushes into, I call him a kid at this point because we don't know who it is, but it will be Gustav as we come to find out who then like flips a tray over with his arm, food flings into another person and a food fight begins. Um, Food gets all over Kate and one of her friends goes, hey. Nobody does that to Kate Sanders, which was one of my favorite lines in the episode. I thought that something interesting in Kate's rendition of what happened earlier that day was her her interpretation of, of Lizzie is that, you know, one thing that Lizzie says is that if only Kate were their friend again, she could protect them from evil people like Larry Tudgman. So it definitely seems like Kate, you know, somewhere deep down, wishes that she and Lizzie were friends again. That's a good, that's a good call out. Yeah, Yeah. I definitely picked up on that too. There's something there. And I don't know if it's like she just wants everybody to want to be her friend, but the way Lizzie reacted did seem very intentional. 
Yeah, and you know what? Poor Gustave, honestly, because everybody has this, like, near encounter running into Gustave. And so I feel like he must be the true Matrix guy because he had to dodge three people almost walking into him. And then, you know, it's no surprise, given that everybody just wants to bump into him, that, you know, the food ends up going flying. And, of course, they have to blame the immigrant. Like, what the heck is this? I feel Are for we you, surprised? Gustav. Are we surprised, though? No. Based no. on the choices that this show makes no, I every did not, episode? I did not like this choice. And I, I think there's, you know, some justice to be had for Gustav. Gustav got the wrong end of the deal. And then they're, they make it so generous, like, oh, but we won't throw Gustav under the bus. You literally knocked over or made him knock over his tray of food and then get assaulted by another child in the cafeteria. So hasn't Gustav been through enough? <laughs> Truly. Leave the kid alone. Justice for Gustav. <laughs> so then we are back with Matt and Lanny. And Matt is acting very out of character, in my opinion. Like, he's really, like, what are we going to do? Freaking out. And Lanny is the one who kind of centers him and sort of, like, encourages them to take advantage of this day we're downtown the day is young and the world is ours yeah it's uh it's full of possibilities what a wild day they end up having we'll get into that yes we will back in the cafeteria kate and larry are bickering uh larry says you know what kate people might like you a little bit more if you weren't so hostile all the time yeah larry and kate really weird energy here <laughs> there is i know yeah, there's a lot of uh, crazy tension. I don't know what that was, but, you know, we have seen them paired together before, so. Yes, as um, as husband and wife, right? As mailman and newscaster, yes. <laughs> yeah. And Kate tells Lizzie that she believes her, and all we have to do is give Principal Tweedy Larry's name, throw Larry under the bus, and we are outie. Yeah, and uh, in exchange, Kate will do Lizzie's nails. And Lizzie considered it. Read between the lines. Do we need to read between the lines? I mean, Kate's just being flirty with everybody in this episode. I like seeing Larry when we get these like close-ups into Larry because his humor is uh, like a very self-deprecating kind of humor that I enjoy. And I think he does it better than Gordo. Yeah, I agree. I think that overall, Larry Tudgeman is probably a more compelling character than Gordo. Like they're so similar, but they're different enough. And I think that the touch just pulls it off. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Like he is commenting on, you know, Lizzie and Kate having their moment like he's not even there and how people don't notice him, which gives Lizzie an opportunity to, you know, just be the good person that she is and sort of give Larry a pep talk. I mean, they had a little spark between themselves once upon a time. It's true. People notice you. You're the first one to raise your hand in class. You'll eat anything. And you're your own person. And Kate's like, no, you're a weirdo. So then we get into his POV. Would you like to go through the inner workings of the Tudge? Not really, but I will. So <laughs> Larry fancies himself, like I said earlier, as a character in the Matrix. Uh, specifically, it seems, the Keanu Reeves character. His entire flashback, he's wearing the Matrix getup. He's got the sunglasses. He's got the long uh, kind of like trench coat. And he got to school early at like, what did he say, 6 or 7 a.m. Because he wanted to go to the algebra lab and disprove infinity. How? Unclear. Because infinity is definitely a real thing. 
but regardless, he wants to do that, and then he does, and so he starts, you know, running down the stairs. As he's running down the stairs, you know, Miranda is like, oh, Tudgman must have discovered something amazing again. Uh, Lizzie gives us this line. If only he were my boyfriend, I'd be the luckiest girl in all the land. In all the land. <laughs> then Miranda says, Tudgman is so hot, I'm getting a heat rash. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, Kate knocks into Larry, but it's okay. And Lizzie's like, Kate is so lucky that, you know, Larry bumped into her and then and then said it's no big deal. I don't really, okay, so all these flashbacks start off way too early at a time that isn't even relevant to the food fight, but that's a completely different matter, I guess, altogether. So then we finally get into the cafeteria. Larry ends up seeing Gustav slip on a banana peel and then his tray of food goes into that other kid. Boom, food fight. So here's the other thing. Gustav obviously like accidentally threw his food onto another kid, but then it's the other kid really that started the food fight. <laughs> Can we really blame Gustav here? Yeah, like what is with that? It really wasn't Gustav. I know, but then the scene culminates in this moment of people begin to throw food at each other, and then Larry is like dodging the food, like he's in the Matrix, just you know, nothing can hit him. But it's basically just like clip art burgers and like other miscellaneous food just flying around. And it's just, it's so bad. It's just, it's so chaotic. But yeah, you know, Larry had this whole day and he didn't even get to tell anyone that he disproved infinity. A huge development. I don't want to say impossible, but... <laughs> Highly unlikely. Hi yeah, infinity is... Uh... And like, I'm sorry, but can we talk more about that? food fight sequence and like the the slow-mo like ducking that occurred must we i mean had you seen the matrix as a as a seven-year-old did you get it no <laughs> i have not seen the matrix but yeah that was a pretty i just laughed a lot i didn't even need the reference it was hilarious it was so it was so bad it was, it was really bad um, but yeah so larry finishes his story and now he is talking to Lizzie about framing Kate as mm. Kate is somewhat sleeping, but not actually because she can hear them. And then we get this line from Lizzie that really, you know, it hits differently in 2021 where she says, all this backstabbing and conspiring could prepare me for a career in politics. Mm, yes. If only she knew. If only she knew. It's politics. Um, back to Matt and Lanny. They are walking downtown eating ice cream sandwiches. Um, they're like, maybe we should go back to school. But then, alas, a penny on the ground. And they decide to leave it up to fate. They're going to flip this coin. Heads, we go back to school. Tails, we take the rest of the day off. Uh, tails, it is. And then we just get this ridiculous montage. One of the more ridiculous ones I think we've seen in a while. So this moment before they find the coin or I guess when they find the coin, is one of the moments that really made me sort of question what the writers are trying to do with Lanny, or maybe not the writers, but just the, you know, the editors are trying to do with Lanny because Matt finds the penny, and then Lanny clearly has something that he wants to say, and then the sound effect just sounds like it's geese honking, like as he's waving his arms around, and I'm just like, why? That's so weird. I don't like it. Yeah, let Lanny speak. Yeah, or if he's not going to speak, like, why are you, why did, like, sound effects 
occur. Like animal sound effects. That's actually really gross. Yeah. When you unpack that. Didn't love that. But yeah, we get a a, a montage of them sort of running around downtown. We see Sam McGuire in the wild. Um, <laughs> Not at work. Not at work, just out out and about. S- same thing with Joe McGuire. She sees a character sketch that they did a while ago, but she's like, could it be? No, there's no way. There's no way. Yeah, and they like join a random like 5K and they're just like running <laughs> back in the cafeteria. All this cafeteria stuff really does dominate the episode. The B story is really these like quick little blips. It's very unbalanced. But now we're back. And now finally, Kate and Larry are going to team up and accuse Lizzie. They got so far as to write it down on paper. And Lizzie's like, hold up. You have not even heard my defense yet. And I'm going to give it to you. No interruptions. And please save all questions for the end, which turns Larry on a little bit. Let's just be real. He's not over her. And this to me was the wildest POV of all because it just, it made me feel like everything I know is a lie. I feel like I can no longer trust Lizzie McGuire. Um, And I don't know what the purpose of it was in terms of like, I I understand that Larry and Kate have their own skewed perception of their days, um, but we're not, we're never in their heads. Quite frankly, it was like a pretty big deal to be in someone else's head for at least a moment. But Lizzie, we're in her head. We think we know her. We think we know how she perceives her family dynamics. We think that we know what's up. And then this story is just not in line with everything that we see um, for the last, gosh, almost 50 episodes. So I'm just like very confounded by what we get here. Yes. Yeah, because it starts at actually starts at their house, which if I'm Kate or Larry listening to the story, I'm like, no, I don't need to hear this. <laughs> Skip forward to the relevant part of your story. Um, yeah, but, that was weird. Yeah, she gets up and goes downstairs and immediately trips over Matt's scooter. And her parents in Lizzie's mind are like, it's fine. Matt's our favorite child. Where did that come from? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's like very much this stop leaving your stuff everywhere. Matt eats all of Lizzie's pancakes for breakfast. Um, the parents just seem very much like younger child favoritism doting over over Matt. And like there is something to be said about being an older sibling and feeling like your younger sibling is can get away with whatever they want. And like there is that sort of like baby kid favoritism situation. I think we can both attest to that. But like we have never seen or experienced Lizzie feeling that way up to this point. And we know that Sam and Joe McGuire are really good at calling Matt out on his crap and not really putting up with his antics. So it's just, it just doesn't make sense. My brain is breaking. I can see how like when you're a kid, there are like certain moments when you might feel this way, when it's like relevant to your present situation in life. But this is not like one of those moments for Lizzie. It's just her regular everyday existence. So the fact that this is just the way that she is viewing her her current situation just in general seems a little bit concerning. It's also, like you said, just like unnecessary exposition. Like if oh, yeah, I was nothing to an do editor, with the food fight. Like, <laughs> red, red pen that once we're at school, things feel a little more what we're used to seeing. Like, I wouldn't be feeling this way if we started at school because, okay, this does feel like Lizzie's day at school. 
Um, and it does portray her as being like the most narr- reliable narrator about the events that occurred at school. Yeah, I still but don't that buy that home- though. That still that whole home sequence just really threw it all out of whack. It just it just made no sense. We learn here that Miranda's rash is from Lizzie's lotion. Um, we learn that Kate comes up and just like unnecessarily comments on Miranda's rash and it's like that rash better not be contagious like mind your own business Kate and then another interesting thing that came up in the scene is Gordo and Miranda talking about how they used to be friends with Kate which is something that like I never really got before like that always felt like a Lizzie thing Mm -hmm. so I thought that that was interesting that all of a sudden Miranda and Gordo were also a part of the fold like that they all were friends with Kate and they all lost Kate because that felt very personal to Lizzie. I mean, as we've said, uh, Lizzie is an unreliable narrator. So (laughs) of course, Lizzie is the only person who had a friendship with Kate in the eyes of Lizzie. Yeah. Lizzie's also a tween narcissist. So yeah, I guess we wouldn't know. And, you know, klutzy Lizzie, um, second she sits down at lunch, spills her fruit punch all over the table. And because she's so awkward and relatable, she has that, like, encounter with Gustav where they can't, like, get, you know, when you, like, try to get around someone, but you both take a step in the same direction. Mm -hmm. So, like, that happens. Then we see the beginning of the episode all over again, and it becomes very clear that no one started the food fight. I mean, someone started the food fight. But no one out of Kate, Larry, and Lizzie started the food fight. That's the conclusion that they come to. However, all of their stories had one thing in common. Gustav. Poor Gustav. Like, I mean, really, like, didn't even have a chance. Gustav is going to need to go back um, to his country now just to avoid <laughs> the backlash. And then we get this, like, super, all of a sudden Lizzie gets so moralistic and, like, on her high horse and is, like, but this isn't really about Gustav. And it's like, yes, you're right. Like, this is not about Gustav. But her whole thing is like, none of us started the food fight, but none of us stopped it either. We're going to leave Gustav out of it. Like, Kate, if you were, you're such a trendsetter. Like, you're so cool. If you tried to stop it, people would have listened to you. This is the same logic that got Lizzie grounded in the last episode. Elizabeth Brooke McGuire. That tone has grounded written all over it. Like the idea that you can take the moral high ground and be like, oh, it's fine because we actually called my mom and she rescued us from this situation, but I'm responsible for breaking the rules. Like even Gordo tells her that never works. Never, but that's what Lizzie does. Um, but she's leaving Gustav out of it, and she has an idea. And on that note, we flip back to the B story. Matt and Lanny have made it back to the McGuire house. I mean, this scene is just so... I love I love when Joe McGuire flips that switch, like that Elizabeth Brooke McGuire switch. Elizabeth Brooke McGuire. And she is pissed. <laughs> and here's the thing, like... Matt and Lanny, it turns out, had a really full day, even fuller than what we had seen in the little montage that we got. But instead of showing us all the fun shenanigans that they got up to over the course of the day, we had to watch Lizzie trip over Matt's scooter. Are you serious right now? I know. We didn't see Matt at a baseball game and catching... The game-winning ball. He the caught, game-winning ball. He caught the game-winning <laughs> ball. And then was on a parade float. <laughs> Ferris Bueller. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't clip 
Matt's retelling the story of their day, but particularly the line, is it my fault the penny told us to take the rest of the day off? Yeah. Good line. And then we get our classic three-way phone call. Finally, we are out of the cafeteria. Lizzie's talking to Gordo and Miranda. They can't believe she spent the whole afternoon with Kate and Tudgeman, not that she really had a choice. And Lizzie's like, well, we're good friends, right? So like, just just trust me. There is more to Kate and Larry than meets the eye. And they, they do clean the cafeteria. And this didn't occur to me until the end of the episode, but just like the fact that they were just like left alone in the cafeteria for like however many hours as like 14 year olds, like no adult even supervising. It, it happened. It, it did happen. And they left a letter for Principal Tweedy. And I just, I just want to play the letter because it's hilarious. Um, and then I want to talk about it. Dear Principal Tweedy, earlier you asked us who started the food fight. And the truth is, none of us did, but we all could have stopped it. We all may hang out with different people. I mean, we may be a Kate. A Larry. And a Lizzie. But the one thing we should have had in common today was the courage to stand up and stop the food fight. So to answer your question, it doesn't matter who started it because we're all responsible. So we cleaned up the cafeteria together. Signed, The The Lunch Bunch. It's a bad letter. It doesn't matter whether you're a Kate, a Larry, a Lizzie. Yeah, I imagine that a Kate and a Larry is also in Kate and Larry's respective handwriting. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. Yeah, no, this is... um. This is a bad take, I feel. Do you want to elaborate? Well, I was just going to say, and the fact that Tweety is reading this and being like, huh, this is so profound. I am enjoying this is just pretty ridiculous to me. I taught them a lesson. I think they're all, you may disagree with me on this, but they're all really overinflating their their sense of how important they are to the narrative. Like, I really don't believe that any one of them could have had the power to stop this food fight. They could have tried and then ended up in the same position. They were singled out pretty arbitrarily because it actually looks like they were doing nothing while the food fight was occurring, and yet they still got singled out for it. They could have been trying to stop it and still gotten in trouble. And then what is your paper about? Exactly. Like some things are just bigger than you, (laughs) and you're just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, the idea of Lizzie acting like she has any sort of influence or had any power in this situation is just laughable, right? Like, it's just so not the case. And the show just loves to make Lizzie McGuire a character who will take the moral high ground. And sometimes her reactions to things, like her reaction in this episode just did not feel realistic. Like, she didn't feel like herself, that letter was not written by Lizzie McGuire. No, I agree. Um, it was a uh, it was unsatisfying. I was not satisfied. Then, shout out to Principal Tweedy, who then leaves gum under the table. So disrespectful. What yeah, was that, that? That these three children just cleaned. Though I will say that it was one of the better um, stock music cues that we have gotten. That lead out music was a bop. Yeah, the whole situation is pretty ridiculous if we can take a step back and look at the episode as a whole because here's Principal Tweedy. He's got an entire cafeteria full of students throwing food at each other and yet he singles out three individuals and it's like one of you three is responsible. Like, sir, what do you think that you just snuck up on? 
And so then he makes these three students clean up a mess that was created by an entire class of students um, until they either confess, uh, or I guess until one of them confesses to having done it, basically, when none of them did it. This is another situation where, you know, in the school that I attended, there would be some security footage. But, you know, similar to the incident with the statue, they just can't go look at the tapes. It makes no sense. Where are the receipts? I know Gustav is actually looking for those receipts so he can clear his name a little bit. (laughs) To this day. To this day, no one knows where Gustav is. He went into hiding after this moment. Ugh. And that's the end of the episode. That's it. She said, he said, she said. I wish that I... thinking about that song. What song? Uh, The Ashley Tisdale song, He Said, She Said. I should have played this... Do you know that song? I do not. I should have played this clip after uh, you talked about politics. It's politics. (laughs) <laughs> missed opportunity <laughs> i know but yeah there was an ashley tisdale song called he said she said that came out in like 2006 oh wow yeah during her sweet life era do we talk about some outfits sam there, I, suppose... I feel like there isn't a lot to talk about will there be a union jack though <laughs> good question i feel like i'm never closely looking at the outfits while i'm watching because we're so focused on our notes so this is really my fir- always my first assessment, like in real time. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, despite the joke, Larry is wearing the same shirt that he always wears. It's and a, Kate, it's a shirt. Kate, likewise, I feel like is wearing a shirt we've seen on her before. Well, Kate, if not that exact shirt, Kate is a big fan of the like short sleeve turtleneck sweater, which is just a lot of contradictions for me. Um, <laughs> and it just it does not go with that skirt at all. She um, um she's perpetually yeah, trying like, to hide a hickey. Maybe she is fifteen. She is, she is fifteen. <laughs> yeah, she's getting into some stuff. I respect that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it, the vibe that I'm actually getting is like my neck is cold, but my arms are warm. Or maybe it's like I don't actually have a hickey, but I want you to think that I have one. It's probably <laughs> more likely. <laughs> and she's wearing a s- skirt that clashes without the food to take into consideration it's almost like paint splashes like a rorschach test Mm. lizzie is looking particularly casual today and just like a white t-shirt and pink sweatpants all right let's move on to matt and lanny matt's looking like uh he's got a really nice jacket here (laughs) i like that jacket i could see you wearing that jacket uh i don't know i don't really have that much green in my palette but you could. It has like shacket potential. Eh, I guess so. A little bit, a little bit. What is the print on Lanny's shirt? It's just um, Pac-Man ghosts. Oh, No, could it's be. not. I don't know what it is. Um, in Kate's flash, this isn't even a flashback. It's like a Kate's version of the story. She has on a TR that she does not have on in the present day. It's true. We see this with several of the characters, including Larry. Well, yeah, he's wearing like a leather jacket. Yeah, because he's wearing the Matrix outfit. And yeah, this rash, very serious. It looks like <laughs> she she looks like a burn victim, honestly. She does. Okay, Lizzie's shirt's actually pretty cute without the food all over it. It's not just a white t-shirt. There's like some cute like embroidered flowers on her chest. I like it. And Gordo's just in a blue hoodie. We don't really see Gordo in hoodies too often. Yeah. In the Larry version of the flashback, um, Miranda's rash is actually shaped like a heart. And it just looks like um, like a marker. <laughs> <drawing>. <laughs> it looks a little bit less 
worrisome. Yeah, or just thought, like a bad tattoo. <laughs> if you thought that the special effects department was strapped for cash, just wait until you meet the makeup department. <laughs> <laughs> Got to talk about our guy Gustav. Yeah, I was right? about to say, should we talk some Gustav? <laughs> Here's Gustav midfall. You know, you just got to feel bad for Gustav. Here he is in like a flamingo shirt. I can't really tell actually what <laughs> what is on his shirt in this picture. Yeah, I'm trying to figure it out as well. I It's hard to tell. Snakes? Like a serpent? That guy who actually starts the food fight looks like a full-grown adult man, just <laughs> for the record. A little bit. It's like dragons, perhaps? Look at this poor kid. Mashed potatoes in his neck. I agree, yeah. This poor kid. Uh, Sam McGuire, go to work. <laughs> I know. Harry is just slacking and eating ice cream. Middle of the yeah, day. Yeah, eating a drumstick. He's on his lunch break. A convenient excuse. A real convenient excuse. And then we get totally different outfits at the end. I mean, I guess they had to change out of yeah, there. they're not going to wear their food fight clothes. <laughs> their food fight clothes. I, I respect that. Um, but totally different hair also. From Miranda, at least. Her hair got curly. I mean... New look, new hair. She's not going anywhere. I was surprised to... I mean, this... Uh, we keep getting teased, or you keep teasing me and our guests that we have on as well about the imminent, you know, departure of Miranda. But here we are with, you know, not that many... How many episodes do we have left? Like a dozen? A dozen episodes to go. Miranda's still here. But I'm not going anywhere. Don't worry. It's arriving. Just stop plugging it. Like, let it happen organically. Let the shock be, or let the shock be genuine. You brought it up this week. I wasn't going to. Because she's still there. And I think that's all we have. I think that's all we have also. So I think it's time to talk about MVPs. And I think that it's your turn to go first. Oh, God. So I'm going to let you go first. <laughs> this is so hard. There's really like nobody <laughs> that I want to give it to. I'll go. All right, go for it. I'm going to throw it to Joe. You're giving it to Joe McGuire? Only for that beautiful, beautiful takedown of Matt at the end of the episode. Um, because like you said, the options are limited. I don't really want to give it to the three characters who were the focal point of this episode. Matt and Lanny's arc was so inconsequential and it didn't fit their characters. Miranda and Gordo weren't in it enough. But Joe McGuire was upset, and we knew it. Good mom. You know, I think I'm just going to go Miranda here. I feel like this might this might be just recency bias, given the last thing I said. But, you know, I feel like there aren't a lot of opportunities for her left here. She did give us a really fun line in um, <laughs> Tudgeman's So Hot, He's Giving Me a Heat Rash, which I really enjoyed. And, yeah, I guess just Miranda. That's interesting. I didn't really do much, but... I can respect that. Here's here's the lesson from The Crown, if you have not been keeping up with The Crown. Sometimes the best course of action is just to do nothing. And uh, that's what Miranda really did here. And you know what? That was enough today. Well, here we are, Sam, at the end of a sadly underwhelming episode of Lizzie McGuire. Yes, very sadly underwhelming, especially given the momentum that we had sort of gotten over the past two episodes. Uh, yeah, I, we'll, I mean... We'll try again next week. We will We will indeed try again next week. Um, it's Christmas again. Next week's our next Christmas episode. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, and I, it's honestly 
We have another um, celebrity appearance, but I won't spoil who it is if you don't already know. A float for the local Christmas parade. Yeah, I don't know who, I have no clue who this could be. You'll find out soon enough. Is it an adult or a child? It's an adult. We have, a, we have an adult cameo? Yes. All right, I'm going to randomly guess. Okay, can I have one more? Can I have one more hint? Is it a Disney Channel adult? No. It's not a Disney Channel adult. I'm gonna go with um I'm gonna go with Mark Wahlberg in honor of Mark L. Wahlberg. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I will and I will I will get back to you in a week and we'll see if I'm <laughs> correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned for the results. Was Sam right? Doubtful. Is he wrong? <laughs> But in the meantime, that was season two, episode 19. She said, he said, she said. As always, you can follow us at Outfit Repeat Pod on Twitter and email us at outfitrepeaterspodcast at gmail.com. As always, this episode will be uploaded to our website, www.paginatedmedia.com slash outfitrepeaters. It's also available on any platform our podcasts are available. And coming up here at Paginated Media, we have a very exciting slew of content on Thursdays, uh, crowning around our crown recap podcast between myself, Carlin Greenwald, and Ivan Vukovic. We'll have a brand new episode recapping season one, episode eight, entitled Pride and Joy. And next Tuesday, we'll be back with another episode of The Outfit Repeaters. And you and Kelsey have been very active on getting older and wiser set up. You even had a poll earlier this week that I saw got a, a, a high volume of engagement. Um, how is it going getting getting ready for older and wiser? It has been going great. It's really exciting. I love talking about this show and I love talking about publishing shenanigans. And I love talking to Kelsey every week and we have had some really fun guests as well. But yeah, I mean, we are gearing up. I want to confirm with my co-hosts that it is okay to announce a launch date before I say it to our listeners, but there is a tentative launch date and maybe next week we'll have an announcement. And should people be expecting more polls prior to the launch of the podcast? Like I said, this has been all Kelsey. I did not consent to that poll. Um <laughs> Well, so Kelsey's very strongly on one side of the love triangle, and I'm very much like it depends on the context. Like I can kind of go either way, but her being so intense about one is just making me feel like I need to be more intense about the other so that we're on opposite sides. I see. Yeah, because she's very um, only Team Josh, and there's just a lot of unnecessary Charles slander happening. Drama. And you know that I love me some Peter Herman. But yeah, I think it's go it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, the first season is 12 episodes, and we have guests for half of those episodes. So we have six very exciting guests. It's just going to be great. It's expanding my um, Hillary Duff universe um, and my mission to cover all Hill Duff content. You know, Hillary Duff was in an episode of Community that I just watched. Really? Yes. Cool. Uh, actually, she played kind of like... <laughs> Uh, an annoying girl that uh, was just very clicky and uh, sort of played in opposition to the main female characters um, as they tried to attend like a, a, a class about feminism. So it actually, you know, didn't end up being 
<laughs> like a great appearance for Hillary Duff, but she was there. Yeah. So fear not, Sam. I know you're very concerned that this isn't going to happen, but it is. Um, we have a theme song to produce when you get back. It's all going to come together. Yeah. And in the meantime, more Lizzie McGuire as always. And tune in next week for season two, episode 20. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. Extreme Christmas. Yeah.